The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on everybody this is bgn radio episode number 153 i'm jim kemsky from phillyvoice.com with me as always is brandon lee gowton who has a hard out today so we got to speed things along of bleeding green nation brandon what's going on buddy jimmy it's dallas week here we are yes <laughs> it is dallas week. where's the fire there's no fire from you it's it's dallas week you should be pumped up that's like the sign in the office that dwight makes it's like it is your birthday it's like, it is dallas Look, week this is as much emotion i can project over here okay <laughs> yeah um i'm trying my best uh jimmy before we get into it today and there's a lot to talk about in this episode of bgn radio obviously brought to you by righteous felon craft jerky you go to righteousfelon.com use discount code bgn15 to get yourself some righteous felon craft jerky jimmy I think the only place to start is with all these injuries. All the, a lot of injury news, and yeah, they for got once, some guys coming back. Yeah, positive. Yes. So the guys coming back, uh, or not coming back necessarily, but they activated the twenty-one uh, day practice window for guys that are on IR, and uh, most notable of which, in my opinion, is tight end Dallas Goddard, who they did today, or they activated that twenty-one day window today, and then um, I guess it was Monday. Uh, they act. They activated the window for uh, Jalen Rager, another big one. Uh, Jason Peters, who is nice fodder for discussion, which we'll get to. Uh, linebacker T.J. Edwards and safety Rudy Ford. So yeah, some significant names in there uh, in terms of guys that they could be getting back either this week uh, or next week. No, not next week, but in two weeks after the bye. Some pretty big names there. I think uh, Jason Peters and Jalen Rager, according to Derek Gunn, both have a pretty good chance to play this week against the Cowboys. Uh, the last we heard on Goddard is that maybe looking a little bit more likely after the bye, mm-hmm. so we'll see on that one. Uh, TJ Edwards, Doug Peterson had previously been optimistic about getting him back. Best linebacker on the team, in my opinion, right now. Well, and also very relevant because Nate Gary didn't practice on Wednesday. Yes. He was listed out or didn't did not participate in Wednesday's practice, so maybe Gary doesn't play in this game. I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans are torn up about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, don't want to see Nate hurt, but uh, yeah, so it might actually get the linebacker trio that Eagles fans want to see in Alexander, or what am I saying, Alexander Singleton. That was a Hamilton reference that got stored into my brain somehow. Okay. Um, TJ Edwards, and then Duke Riley. So we'll see how that goes there. Also, not practicing on Wednesday with the injury report just coming out. Alshon Jeffrey, who somehow picked up a calf injury <laughs> despite the Eagles not even having a real practice, just 
walkthroughs. Well, he had week. that last week though too. I know Doug said it's a new calf injury, but I think he meant new as in like it came after the foot injury. So I don't think he like has a new calf injury that's newer than the calf injury that he had a week ago. But nevertheless, the idea that he's uh, <laughs> that he's picked up this new injury is kind of ridiculous. It's not hard. Yeah, it's really not. We can't even. Practice. Not that hard to see through what they're doing there. Hmm. What do you mean? So I don't think they want to play him. I think they're trying to trade him for anything they can get. And if they don't trade him, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's just gone. Because, I mean, Jimmy, you're a liar. <laughs> why would they play him? I mean, like, even if he doesn't have the history that he had, and with with bashing the quarterback in the front office and all that stuff two years in a row, like, you're gonna play? You're gonna give him snaps over Travis Fulgham? Like, really? So that doesn't necessarily mean that you cut him, but um, I just don't think that he has any sort of future with this team whatsoever. I mean, clearly he's going to be gone Jimmy, at the end of the year at a minimum. You're a liar, Jimmy, because you said he wasn't going to be on the team this year, <laughs> and he has been on the team now for <laughs> going into eight weeks. Yeah, so he's occupied a roster totally spot wrong. for the half the season for nothing. <laughs> or maybe for something, if they can trade him. I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later. I want to wrap up some of the injury stuff here. Uh, Jack Driscoll and Lane Johnson also not practicing. Yeah, it's not good. So Jordan Mailata was at the first team right tackle in practice. Uh, Miles Sanders also not practicing. Looks like he'll probably be out again. And then Craig James, the mighty Craig James, not practicing. So uh, there are some guys still out here. I guess the offensive line is kind of important to talk about, Jimmy, because it looks like the Eagles will be starting their seventh different offensive line combination heading into their eighth game Crazy. this year with Jason Peters lining up at left tackle, the first team. He's back over there, which a lot of Eagles fans definitely stoked about that. Uh, Nate Herbig back at left guard after he started at right guard against the Giants, taking Sua Opeta, who struggled out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. Jason Kelsey still at center. Then you have Matt Pryor, who wasn't able to really practice last week because he was you know, still on the COVID list. He's back at right guard. And then again, you have Jordan Mailata, who actually has some experience in terms of taking practice reps and preseason reps uh, at right tackle. So it's not like he's never lined up before, but certainly, you know, uh, <laughs> they're moving him out of a spot where it seemed like he was playing well. Yeah. At least showing encouraging signs, a left tackle. So what do you make of the offensive line? Yeah, so the way that they have it aligned, by the way, we're not allowed to report on that, but people did. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about it anyway. It's already out there. I don't think the Cowboys are listening to our podcast anyway, but yeah, that's the alignment they had. So they had it as, like you said, from left to right, Peters, Herbig, uh, Kelsey, Pryor, uh, Mylata. So, uh, I think that makes sense for one game, but I don't think it makes sense to move Mylata out of that left tackle spot uh, once he's starting to get comfortable there. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So what's the what's the alternative to that? The alternative is you leave him there. You play Peters at right guard, and you maybe move Matt Pryor out to right tackle where he's already played uh, a little bit so far this year. So. You know, you look at the matchup in this game. If you move Pryor out to right tackle, then you you have him going up against Demarcus Lawrence, which you know yeah. isn't ideal. Though uh, Lawrence isn't the same player that he was a couple of years ago. Like he, after he got that new contract, he has not been really anywhere near as as, as um, you know disruptive as as he's been in the past. Uh, rushing off the other side is. Uh, Alden Smith, who Chris Collinsworth guaranteed would have 15 sacks this year, he does. He does have four through seven games, but from what I've seen of him, he hasn't really been disruptive. Otherwise, like I don't think he's, I don't think he's a very good player personally. Uh, he, like, or at least I don't think he's the same guy that he was back when he was a good player back in the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not like a very good Dallas pass rush, but I, I mean, I 
look at this team more through the lens of uh, what's best for the team long term. And what's best for the team long term is that they have an answer at left tackle. And if Jordan Mailata is po- is possibly that answer at left tackle, then I think you got to give him as much playing time there as you can, even in big games like this. So I after after some consideration, I would have Mailata just stay at left tackle. I'd have Peters at right guard, and I move. Uh, Matt Pryor out to right tackle, but obviously it doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. Yeah, the interesting thing is going to be what happens when either Driscoll or Lean is able to return at right tackle, presumably after the bye, heading into week 10 against the Giants. And is it going to be JP or is it going to be Jordan Mailata out there? Yeah. And I've seen like a lot of. Sorry, sorry. One, one, one other thing that I'll add there too is this is pretty strong indication that uh, that they have this alignment going. It's a pretty strong indication that. Lane Johnson and Jack Driscoll are both out. Like we can kind of tell that right yeah. now. Like we don't have to wait right. until like for the tomorrow's injury report or for whatever. This is going to be published on Thursday. So today's injury report or Friday's injury report seems like they're already out. The decision's already been made on those guys and they're not going to play against Cowboys. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting, you know, to see which one they go with there. I was saying Doug Peterson, uh, it seems like he's drawing a lot of ire. Everyone's like, oh, if Doug moves Jason Peters back to left tackle. <laughs> and my thing with that is like, why are we assuming this is Doug Peterson's decision? I mean, Jason <laughs> Peters held the front office hostage and told him them to pay him more money. And then Jason Peters walks into Doug Peterson's office and says, I'm the left tackle now. Basically, you know, like uh, that movie with what's his name? I'm the captain now. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Tom Hanks. I don't remember the name. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, I mean... Like, it's not. Look, look, look at Doug. Me. Look at me. I'm, I'm yeah, look at me. I'm I'm the left tackle. <laughs> so I mean, that's a whole other issue and a whole another rabbit hole to go down. But I just like I don't think this is just on Doug, and I think that's part of what could be frustrating about going forward. If it is Jason Peters at left tackle, you would hope that this team realizes and like where they are and can be honest with themselves. They're not meeting the whims of this player, thirty year old player, as opposed to doing what's best for them. Um, so that's all kind of down the road a little bit in the near future here. Uh, you know, again, I think it's forgivable. Kind of, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's forgivable for them to do what they're doing if it's just this one week. But I think it's about in their minds getting the best five offensive linemen out there, as opposed to you know trying to get everyone in maybe the most ideal position or whatever. And or fine, whatever important game you do it one week, you kind of. But if, you know, again, if they're going to be open to criticism, for sure, if it's not Peters at left tackle, like, my lot of needs to be at left tackle after this week, 100%. Like, there's there's no good reason to not have him there. Does it make um, it harder to switch him out of there? Like, if if JP plays well, like, now now you got a problem on your hands. Hmm. Now it's hard to move my lot of back out to left tackle. What are you going to tell JP? Oh, you played well, but, you know, <laughs> you're back to right guard again? Like, yeah, I love the Pete, the Doug Peterson quote, by the way, during his press conference today, where he's like, you know, if we ask him to play left tackle, play left tackle. If we ask him to play right guard, don't play right guard for us. That's just who JP is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, we already know what happened earlier this year. Yeah. They're creating a potential long term issue by playing JP at left tackle as opposed to Marlotta. And again, like I said, anything in regard to decision making as, as this season goes when they're not Super Bowl contenders. I would lean heavily toward long term. So I, I just, just kept my lot of right left tackle. Is that what you have done to? Is that what you would have done to? Yeah, yeah. I think my lot should be at left tackle. I think Jason Peters should be at right guard, and then I would just try to survive with Mount Pryor out there at right tackle. It's just a game. Hopefully, you know. I, I think you could make. I mean, he had to play right tackle when Lane was coming out against the Giants anyway. So like, it's not like this unthinkable thing. I mean, they had freaking Matt Pryor lining up at left tackle. 
<laughs> like, yeah, right, right. In camp again, not ideal, and that was a disaster. But I'm saying, like, if you if you can get through with that with one game, like you just do it, and you keep my lot at left tackle. So, but again, I think it's it's understandable if it's just this one game. Like, I, I'm not going to kill him on it as much as I I will in the upcoming weeks if it is you know continuing to be Peters at left tackle. Like that's way more egregious. But mm-hmm. we'll see about that one. Uh, I want to talk about the wide receiver picture here, Jimmy, because we talked about Alshon being out again, and it looks like Jalen Rager will be back. So, I mean, you're thinking, if that's the case, that Rager is your starting Z receiver, especially with Deshaun Jackson yep. on injured reserve. You have Fulgham, who is a beast. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, Travis Fulgham is on pace, at a 16-game pace, for the best receiving season in Eagles history. You is know, that he, right? What, what, what are the numbers? In, in terms of uh, beating Mike Quick. I don't have them here directly. Oh, I found them. Okay. So, 16-game <laughs> okay. pace, 92 receptions. 1,428 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. Okay. And now to put that in perspective, the best Eagles season in terms of receiving yards, the highest total was friend and loyal listener of BGN Radio, Mike Quick, with 69 catches, nice, for 100, or sorry, 1,409 yards. So Travis that's a nice yards for, for That's a nice yards for catch average. That's over 20, right? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty good. What and was that again? Touchdowns. What was it? 69 catches for 1,409 yards. And 13 touchdowns. And that was in 1983. So right. Fulgham at X and then Greg Ward in the slot. I think we could see John Hightower get some rotational playing time, especially, you know, if they want to kind of manage uh, Rager's workload a little bit coming off the layoff. Uh, you also have J.J. Arthur Whiteside, the best blocking wide receiver in the NFL. Good to have him. <laughs> uh, and then I guess Quez Watkins will actually be active this week. He was a healthy scratch with Deshaun up last week. So that's your wide receiver situation. Pretty agreeable, Jimmy. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that that'll be the lineup. Hightower, by the way, he's made his share of uh, long plays. He's got two straight games now of of a catch of over fifty yards, uh, one catch for fifty yards against the Ravens, and then one catch for fifty nine yards. And that was a huge play, by the way, uh, against the Giants on Thursday night. But good for pretty him. Big. Yeah, got him back into the game. Yeah, so definitely a redemption moment there after the terrible drop against the Ravens. He can be a nice number. He can be a nice number four receiver for you, I think. Yeah, rotational guy, not not a not a full time starter, but uh, rotates in, gives you some depth. There's potential there. I, I I buy that. Now, Jimmy, the trade deadline is coming up. It's actually it's on election next day, Tuesday. Come on, <laughs> at, NFL, really? <laughs> at four p.m. November third, but. Everyone's saying the real "quote unquote" deadline trade deadline is actually Thursday when this podcast is dropping, October 29th, because teams want to have that window to get guys in and pass through the, the COVID testing. Uh, yeah, it you know, takes so about a, a week factor. for them to get through. Yes, so that's that's a factor to consider there, Jimmy. I brought up Alshon before. You actually wrote a trade column at Philly Voice, and you had him listed in there, and I like the idea that you proposed. When it comes to trading Alshon, yeah, I wonder about that now because that was that was before last week when uh, that was before or was it or was it this week? It was this week. Okay, yeah. Well, the Patriots don't look like they're going to be uh, contenders. <laughs> like they they look pretty bad on Sunday, but uh, they do have a ton of cap space. They have um, you know a lot of guys that are they they like they don't they, like they they could use receiver help for sure, and I think he paired you know kind of nicely with with Cam Newton maybe. So my idea for a trade was 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 it did I have the Patriots in there or am I misquoting my own article? <laughs> okay, but yeah, but basically they they they, they trade they trade Alshon in a five and they get a six back. So basically you're, it's a net loss for the Eagles, but they are able to save 
basically five million, which is the remaining salary that he has this season. They already paid about five. And the so roster th- spot. And the roster spot they get back to. So um yeah, I mean the the Patriots move up around in the draft and they get a receiver that they have to pay five million the rest of the year. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, if it's specifically the Patriots, but I like that kind of idea. Yes. That kind of move could be worth it. It's a similar deal to the one that um uh the Rams made uh with Akeeb Talib a year ago. Last year. I don't have that those, yeah, when, that exact trade in front of me right now, but it was a similar type of trade as that. Yeah, he was on injured reserve and they basically just wanted to do like an NBA trade where you it was like a salary dump. You know, you see those all the time. Yeah, he went to the Dolphins who had a buttload of uh, cap space and they just absorbed it and they got an extra pick out of it, which made sense so, for a team like them. So really interested to see what happens with Alshon because like you said, it's clear <laughs> like they're not in a rush to get him back on the field. Yeah. They really shouldn't be. Um, but beyond him, because we've, you know, we've heard about him a lot, uh, they actually can't trade Zach Ertz now, which I feel like we haven't talked about enough as a whole covering the Eagles because the Eagles put him on injured reserve last week and they designated him with a minor injury. And according to Albert Breer, that means you can't trade him. Does that just mean short term IR, by the way? Minor injury? I don't know. That is very unclear. Because he wasn't very clear in his column on that. I think that's all that means. And then like the, there's the longer term IR or it's not short term where they can, you know, they can they can have him return at any time. I think that's those are more mm-hmm. than major injury. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for the Eagles, they can't trade. Well, I mean, I guess they they knew that before they put him on IR, which um, is hope. silly to me that they would have Alshon Jeffrey occupying a roster spot. Why not just keep Ertz on your roster and see if some you know who who knows like I mean they put him on IR before this past week of games. Who knows like if somebody like if somebody like really relies on their tight end in their offense. Like, what if they get hurt? <laughs> they could really use a guy like Zach Ertz, and they blow you away with an offer. It's crazy that he's not available to trade now. And who was who actually reported that they were listening to offers for Ertz? Didn't somebody actually report that? Is that Lock and Fora? Breer had that too. Yeah, I mean, what, what, just keep him active. See if somebody blows you away with some offer. It's crazy. What are they doing? They've made weird mistakes Ed, like that all year. And then Ed Kratz uh, said that the Ravens and Packers specifically had made offers to the Eagles. Oh. So I guess that's something to keep right. uh, in mind down the road at, You know, after this season. Beyond Ertz, though, players who can actually be traded or players the Eagles who can trade for uh, Joe Banner, former Eagles president, former Howie Roseman mentor, came out and actually said that he knows for sure that the Eagles have been looking for offensive line help and linebacker, too, specifically in La Confora. Uh, Jason Lachlan Fora also had mentioned linebacker as a position that the Eagles are looking for. He mentioned not two guys that like they're definitely interested in as just like kind of names he threw out there: Avery Wilson, Williamson from the Jets, mm-hmm. and then Zach Cunningham from the Texans. Do you have any linebacker targets? What are your trade? What are your thoughts? I guess in, in general, Jimmy. Like, <laughs> yeah. What are the Eagles going to do before the trade deadline? So I don't think offensive line makes any sense at all. Like I'm not look if I'm the Eagles, I'm not looking for a rental. And you, you look forward to next year. You have your offensive line's kind of set. Left tackle, you're going to have Mylotta or Dillard. Left your left guard's going to be Samalo. If Jason Kelsey doesn't retire, then he's going to be your center. You're not going to trade for a center now because what's he going to do for you? And then right guard, you know, you're going to have Brandon Brooks back and right tackle, assuming Lane Johnson's ankle isn't completely ruined for life, and he's going to be your right tackle. So like, if you trade for an offensive lineman, you're just doing it for right now. And that's not worth trading a like a draft asset for that when you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. So I don't like the idea of that at all. Linebacker, fine. Like if you can trade for a linebacker, their linebacker is like 
definitely aren't settled for i mean they're not settled now they're not they're not settled in 2021 so if you trade for a guy that you can you know keep on this team in 2021 and beyond then yeah sure go ahead go go trade for a linebacker that's fine the guy that i like is uh the jets blake cashman who sort of fits the profile of what they like in a linebacker and that uh, they don't necessarily like that that the guys are undersized but they're willing to to um you know use those kinds of guys but he's got really good athleticism I believe he was a fifth round pick uh, of the Jets who had a, who had a who was having a good rookie season before he got hurt and went on IR for the season last year. This year he already had an injury, was on IR for a little bit, came back, and he's only playing special teams for them right now. So that's a guy that I think makes some sense for the Eagles to go after. Um, you mentioned Avery Williamson. I remember taking a look at him uh, when I was looking at the Jets roster because they're obviously, you know, people are going to be calling them for whatever, picking up, picking what, you know, picking at whatever. Uh, decent players they have on the roster because they're clearly in sell mode. There was something about him I, don't, I didn't like. I kind of remember what it was, but there was something about him I didn't like. And who was the other guy you said? Was it Zach Cunningham that uh, yeah. Locking for mentioned? I don't really know right. a lot about him. I know he was a second-round pick back in the day. He went to Vanderbilt. I liked him as a prospect coming out, but I have no, I haven't followed his NFL career at all. But I think he – did you say that he has like uh, – It's a big contract. They just signed him to an extension. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that doesn't make sense to me either. Like I wouldn't want to take on a linebacker that has uh, a substantial salary, unless you know like he's really good and he's going to be on your team for a while. And I don't know that that guy fits that bill. Yes, yeah, so I don't know what the Eagles are really going to do here at the deadline. <laughs> Great analysis by me, but I, they should sell. Uh, you know, they should not be making any kind of trade that's a rental. Like Lachlan Forum mentions Avery Williamson. Well, he's twenty eight. He's not signed beyond this year. So like, I don't love that unless Pass. you're giving up. You know, like. You better be giving up like a, a you know like a seventh or something at that point. But even then, I'd rather just keep the pick because a seventh can turn in turn into Jordan Mailata. You know, <laughs> Casey Tuhill. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'd rather just not give up any really draft assets to be honest. So so we'll see how that goes. Uh, this could this podcast could easily be outdated because watch the Eagles make like a trade tonight, Wednesday <laughs> right. or tomorrow, Thursday morning. We will see. Uh, but this has been the first segment of BGN Radio, Jimmy. Why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors? A Kristen Roach, a Kristen Roach, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. A Kristen Roach, a Kristen Roach. She will find you a great home. 856-906-9295. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Back here on BGN episode radio 153. Anything else on Eagles and trade talk, Jimmy? No, that's about it. I mean, like a week week or two, like the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about whether they should be buyers or sellers. I think we can pretty much eliminate the possibility of them being uh, sellers at this point. Like, Mm. it's just probably not going to happen. The one thing that was was like, it took me by surprise. I actually had a radio hit on Wednesday morning with uh, 97.5. And uh, flex, and uh, that I was on at nine. Schefter was on at eight. So I guess they asked Schefter about like what the Eagles could potentially sell, and uh, they they asked me like what I thought about his answer, and his answer was like safety or corners, and I'm like, uh, who? What? <laughs> I was like, who? Who would they like? Who would anyone even want? Like the teams would certainly want like a Darius Slay, but they're not going to trade him. They're not going to trade. They need McLeod, who's played reasonably well this year. They need Mills. They need. Uh, I mean, Avante Maddox is worth more to the Eagles than he is to anyone else, in my opinion. Craven the Blanc. Or they, you know, is anyone trading for him? Is anyone trading for Nickel Roby Coleman? So like, you know, like Schefter is more of a, an info guy than he is like an analysis guy. But I, that was that was that took me totally by surprise during that radio hit. I don't know if you heard that or not my hit, but the, the thing Schefter said about uh, defensive backs, maybe. But that, that seemed very odd and very unlikely to me. Yeah, I mean, I think Nicole Roby Coleman would be like the only guy from the secondary. But that who would want him? Trade. I agree. You wouldn't and you wouldn't be getting anything from him. But that's the it only thing like I can see. It sounds like a veteran minimum contract this offseason. Like everyone in the league had a chance to sign yep. him this offseason. He hasn't been good. So it's not like he improved his stock since then. I agree. It's uh, like they threw me, they totally threw me off. Like there was like a moment of silence on the silence on the radio. Like when they said, I was like, uh, all right, <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. Like I was trying to think of like a kind way of saying that's dumb, <laughs> but I don't know. Anyway, uh, any other trade talk from you? Not really. Um, briefly want to mention here, the Eagles did win last week, Jimmy. Uh, you know, they beat the Giants, the the lowly Giants. They they could have lost. Evan Ingram catches that. Uh, pass on third down maybe the Giants seal the game there and the Eagles don't stage this 11 point comeback Carson Wentz being clutch in the fourth quarter which he can't do it is impossible for him to possibly do that as has been determined earlier in his career he is not clutch um, so it wasn't possible but he did it anyway pretty impressive will this offense continue to be able to have success against the Cowboys defense to me and the answer is yes because the Cowboys defense is a dumpster fire and that is probably an understatement. They're allowing the most points in the league. I was talking to uh, Dave Halpern, who I'm sure you recognize yep. from blocking the boys. And I was asking him, and this will be up on Bleeding Green Nation, but I was like, what makes this Cowboys defense so bad? He's like, the answer is really everything. <laughs> like, it's it's just the, it's an abomination, uh, like on all levels and all aspects. Uh, so I definitely think, you know, this Eagles offense is going to be able to have success against the Cowboys. They have the worst point differential in the NFL. And a lot of that has to do with the last two weeks when they got blown out by the football team and the Cardinals. But their run defense is especially bad. Like, it's they're giving up 5.2 yards per carry. They're giving up over 170 rushing yards per game, which is nuts. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, offensively, for the, from the Eagles' perspective, just play your game, and, you know, you like you can score points on this team. It's just whether you can keep them off the board, or at least that's how it used to be before Dak Prescott got, got hurt, because their offense has looked equally bad as their defense at least the last two weeks. But, um, yeah, going heading into the season, the Cowboys always, every year, every year they're hyped up. 
And I didn't see it. Like, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, I didn't think they were going to be this bad. But when you looked at like their losses that they have, you know, heading into this year where they're losing their best corner in Byron Jones, they're losing their best pass rusher in Robert Quinn. And that's not replaced easily. Like they replaced Quinn with uh, Alden Smith, who isn't anywhere near as good as Quinn. And they replaced Byron Jones with, I don't even know, like basically they just replaced him with guys that they already had, they had on their, on their roster. And Darrell Worley has been horrible for them. In fact, they, they, they even, just cut him. They, oh, did, they, did they cut him already? Okay. Yep. So yeah, they, they cut him. Did they cut uh, Dontari Poe as well with they him? They did. So yeah, I mean, it's, they've just been sort of a, like they had, they did not fill those two spots. Leighton Van Der Esch has not been able to stay healthy. Sean Lee, of course, is never healthy. So like, you know, heading into the season, like they had these losses on the defensive side of the ball and then on offense. Oh, even like Malik Collins, who was a good uh, defense, good, good young defensive tackle for them. They, they lost him and they replaced him with uh, Gerald McCoy, who I forget what his injury was, but he had a season ending injury. Poe has been terrible for them. So like these guys that they lost, they didn't replace them with, with good enough. Real, I mean, they replaced them with bad players, really. And you know, I remember like heading back and, you know, heading into this and they lost Travis Frederick to, to retirement. So heading into the season, they, they're losing all these guys, but they draft CeeDee Lamb. So everyone's like, they're going to be awesome. Like, it's always like that shiny new thing that appeals to people when they look at the, the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, you, you have all these substantial losses. I didn't think their defense was going to be good at all again, but like they're like dead last in the league in so many categories. Uh, first and foremost, as you mentioned, points allowed which is kind of a big deal. And, uh, I mean, at least they were getting into shootouts. At least they were scoring a lot of points with Dak Prescott playing playing really well early in the season. But now those shootouts have turned into blowouts. Uh, Jimmy, I'm going to have to take a break here. I can't read the uh, the show notes anymore because I rubbed hot sauce into my eye while you were talking <laughs> there. So uh, I'm just going to have to take a quick quick break. Um, okay, we're back here on BGN Radio and after I rubbed hot sauce into my eyes. Like I almost didn't believe that. Oh, so really like I saw I saw that tweet. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of different people had it, but the one that I saw was John Machota of uh, of the Athletic. He said, "It uh, said uh, Mike Nolan rubbed, <laughs> rubbed the, his his press conference is delayed because he rubbed Tabasco sauce in his eyes." And I literally laughed out loud at my computer. Couldn't have <laughs> couldn't have pounded that retweet button fast enough. And and uh, it's I mean that's how bad that their season is. Go- I mean they blocked a field goal last week and it still went through. Now they got guys rubbing hot sauce in their eyes. Like everything that can possibly go bad for them is going bad. I I love like the the so like how weird our jobs can be sometimes. Like that's such a, such a it's such a weird like yes. situation. <laughs> like, sorry, fan- <laughs> listeners and fans. The defensive coordinator can't talk right now because he rubbed hot sauce into his eyes. Or like I think back to last year. When I had that, some of those tweets are just so biting, even though, like, the tweet itself isn't offering any commentary, but, like, just the fact that it's being tweeted is yes. the commentary. Yes. Like, I did that with Mike Grow last year when Mike Grow was like, we're going to work harder in practice this week than last week. <laughs> and I tweeted yes. out, like, Mike Grow says Eagles are going to work harder. I, I, I tweeted basically what he said. And so many people just got so mad at him. At <laughs> least the horde. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Eagles are going to. Obviously, continue to have success against this Cowboys defense. Now, I will say, you know, watching Kyle Allen, you know, light up the Cowboys on defense, I think, you know, similar kind of message here, like for Carson Wentz, like Carson can't be, like, I don't think Carson can be gunslinger Carson in this one. Like, don't, no, don't do that. I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, Yeah. Don't make the big play. Play conservative. Like, 
don't you can't turn over the ball. That's the only way the Cowboys can possibly win this game. If you're careless with the ball, you turn it over and you give them extra possessions. You're you, you can play like not to lose almost on offense and probably still be th- or at least you know more conservative. Like don't don't be dumb. Basically, you, you have to be smart. Uh, you can't give this team life and give them extra chances. So I don't think this is the the game. You know, for Carson to play hero hero ball all game long. Um, obviously, you know, it was needed against the Giants and it worked out in the end, but, you know, we can't be doing that uh, early on. I want to flip it over to the Cowboys offense to me because another reason why I think the Eagles are just going to destroy this team this week, uh, and maybe I'm a fool for saying that because maybe I'm giving the Eagles too much credit who have often been very bad and disappointing (laughs) this year. That angle I definitely acknowledge, but I just look at Ben DiNucci to me and he's giving me Luke Falk vibes. Yeah. Stop get, Stop with this nonsense, everyone out there. Like, oh, Joe Webb, st- shut up. Like, that's not <laughs> what's happening here. Like, yeah. Like, that was a, that was one time. It was a fluke thing. It was 10 years ago now, literally. But also, he like, was like a super athletic guy, too. Like, he actually had something to offer. Yeah, he could run around and, yeah. and do some things. Like, I'm looking at Ben DiNucci, and, like, I had never seen this guy really play. So, I had no impression of him when he came into the game after Andy Dalton, you know, took that big hit. But I'm watching him back there, and it's a small sample size, but I'm like, this guy doesn't even look like an NFL. He player. didn't look like an NFL like, quarterback. Yeah, he didn't. He looked like all, a guy that you'd see in Wawa. Like, <laughs> all due respect to the mighty Joe Callahan, but like he's kind of like that. He's like a small guy, and he's like thin too, or at least like relatively. This isn't you know like Russell Wilson or like Kyler Kyler Murray, like short guys who are kind of you know like they're thick and and really athletic. This is like thin looking tiny guy. When he was getting like hit by the the Washington's defensive line, I, I felt bad for him. Yes. Like, I, I almost I'm looking at this. I'm like, I don't think this guy can make it through a full game. Like if he's getting hit like this, like it just doesn't look like he can hold up. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking at him, and I'm not seeing Joe Webb. I'm seeing Luke Falk, and I think, and I've really thought this since you know I was watching that Monday Night Football game against the Cardinals. And I thought, like, okay, you know, going into the game, maybe Dallas can actually hang here or maybe even find a way to win this. You know, we didn't really like, – the bottom hadn't fallen out completely on right. them yet. But then I started watching that offensive line against the Cardinals <laughs> defense, and I was like, Brutal. oh, no, like, the Eagles are going to murder this. They're going to murder this offensive line. They absolutely are. That's the strength of their team. They're going to kill them. Yeah, and that, and that Cardinals game, too, like, they were playing some no-name right defensive end, too, who's just killing their left tackle. The left tackle's not going to play in this game. That was Brandon Knight, I think. Uh, you know, the Cardinals had lost Chandler Jones for the season. But just to give a quick rundown of all the guys that, that the Cowboys have lost along their offensive line. So we mentioned before Travis Frederick retired. Uh, they lost Lyle Collins before the, that's their starting right tackle, of course, for the season with, uh, I think, a hip injury at surgery. Uh, they lost Tyron Smith for the, for the season just uh, more recently. Uh, I forget what his injury was, but he's he's done for the year. They lost Zach Martin in the Cardinals game with a concussion. He's, he's probably going to play. Uh, this Sunday, so yeah. they'll have him back. They lost their second center, uh, Joe Looney, in the fourth game. He went on IR. He's actually um, eligible to come off IR this week and probably will, and is probably going to be ready to play. But he, mm-hmm. he, it looks like he lost his center job to to your guy, Tyler Biadish, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the fourth-round pick uh, rookie. He's been okay, I guess, for them. Uh, so he'll start at, at center for them. But uh, Brandon Knight, like I mentioned just a minute ago, he started for, I think, four games in relief of Tyron Smith. Uh, he had a scope on his knee, so he's on IR. So they've, they've had like a similar number of injuries along their offensive line as the Eagles, except the difference is the Eagles have at least kind of stayed afloat on their offensive line. Like they've their, their depth has been at least good enough to like not wreck games completely, whereas Dallas's offensive line is 
not been that at all. <laughs> like so, the the expected my expected uh, week eight Cowboys offensive line alignment would be uh, Cameron Irving at left tackle stinks. Uh, Connor Williams at left guard. Uh, he was there. He is you know a starting guard for them, but easily their worst starter on their line if they had everyone healthy. Uh, center as we mentioned, Beadish. Uh, Zach Martin will probably probably play at right guard, and then at right tackle. Uh, this guy's been starting there all year. Undrafted rookie free agent, Terrence Steele. So, you know, like over the years, you know, people have always said like the Dallas, I've never agreed with this really, but they, people have said that like the Dallas Cowboys, and it's certainly it's good, like really good, but people have said it's the best offensive line uh, in the NFL. Well, it's one of the worst with the way they're configured right now. And as you mentioned, the strength of the Eagles team is is their defensive line. Like this Terrence Steele guy is going to have to deal with Brandon Graham all day. Uh, Cameron, <laughs> Cameron Irving is going to have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, Derek Barnett and Josh Sweater both having good seasons on the interior. You know, Connor Williams, Tyler Beadish, and probably not 100% Zach Martin are going to have to deal with Fletcher Cox. And well, Javon Hargrave has been a total zero so far this year. But I mean, nevertheless, the uh, the Eagles' uh, defense. Malik Jackson may be back, by the way. He was at least a limited participant in practice this week. But you know, clearly, that is the biggest uh, matchup advantage in the Eagles' favor in in this game. Yeah, I, I just laughed because I'm I'm imagining Brandon Graham, who's having a really good season, his best season. I mean, like he's he's on he's finally he might hit that double digit sack mark that he's been wanting to hit. Uh, he's what three six. In, uh, in seven games this year, you know, he, he could make that. He could do that. He could really, if he keeps on this pace, he could make the Pro Bowl potentially. I think he's like first among NFC de- NFC defensive ends in sacks. Um, so, yeah, I like my fellow BLG to go out there and just dominate Terrence Steele. This, this is one of those games, the, by know, the way, where like where like you could get Brandon Graham to say something like that he yes. shouldn't say in the locker room like, prior <laughs> to the game. Like I remember, uh, I think it was uh, I think it was two years ago. They were playing the Colts. I think their right tackle was Joe Haig. So yeah. like, I asked him something about Joe Haig, and I forget exactly what he said. But the crux of it was like he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy that guy, and he didn't do anything. Like he was, he did, he was he, Brandon Graham had like a bad game, so like he, he's done that a few times. So he, I don't know if he's learned his lesson or not. But we don't have locker room access this year, so he's not able to to kind of uh, predict a big game over this Terrence Steele. I think BG is going to show up again in a big way. This whole defensive line will. Jimmy, I'm going to put the over under for sacks in this game at six point five. What would you Ooh. take? I'll take the under. That's a, that's a lot. They had ten. They had ten last year against the Jets. I think this could be that kind of level of a game. I think they could destroy Ben DiNucci. Oh, they're going to get to him. It's just six, six. You know, six sacks, and if they that's a lot. And if they get six sacks, I still hit the under. I'm taking the over. I'll take the, I'll take the under on that. Ezekiel Elliott looks washed. He's had a yes, he does. touches. Which, you know, again, I've said before, like a washed version of Zeke is still, you know, better than a number of running backs, but he's not special anymore. I think he's been actually downright bad this year. Okay. Well, the fumbles are huge. He's got four fumbles. He had in, I don't don't remember if this was last game or the game before. They're all kind of running together at this point. But he had the, he had a pass he should have caught, just glance off of his hands and it got picked. So he's Mm -hmm. responsible essentially for, I think, three of his fumbles. Uh, were recovered by the defense, so he's responsible for really four turnovers this year. And you look at it, like you mentioned the uh, the touches that he's had, th- um, three hundred and fifty eight per season for the first uh, four years of his career. Only uh, six NFL running backs 
currently on NFL rosters, that is, have more career touches than him. It's Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, and Todd Gurley. That's it. And he's only 25. He's in his, only in his fifth year. Only six players, six six running backs have more career touches than him. That's crazy. They've just run him into the ground. And they gave him a huge contract, idiots. They drafted him fourth overall, <laughs> idiots. Like, what a stupid franchise drafting running back fourth overall and then give him a monster second contract. And then he, like, after they already have, like, several examples of guys like like Todd Gurley, for example, or they just fell off a cliff once they got the David Johnson. Like, once they got the second contract. Well, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray. Like, they even in their own house. Done. First three years, 30 rushes of 20 plus yards. So, you know, a little bit under one per game, 0.75 per game. Since then, five rushes. So 2019 and 2020, uh, I think that's a total. Was that a total of uh, 23 games? Five rushes of 20 plus yards or 0.22 per game. So like he's like on the eye test, you can see that he's not as explosive as he was his rookie season, his second season. And the the numbers back it up. Like he just had he doesn't have big runs anymore. He's just a big back that sort of falls forward uh, most of the time. But for, you know, he's averaging four point two yards per carry. Some of that's because the offensive line is terrible this year. But a lot of that's because he's just he's just not explosive anymore. I really want to see pretty much every Eagles player celebrate any play they make, touchdown, first down, <laughs> sack, whatever, with Zeke's feed me celebration. Yes. Just freaking do it every single time. His stupid feed just do it. Every I'm surprised, time. I'm surprised players haven't done that yet. I know. What's up with that? It's not like Zeke should be like this greatly respected guy either anyway. Right. I mean, like players on other teams used to do the like the the, the like the flapping wings thing that yeah. T.O. used to do. Mm-hmm. Like opponents used to do that routinely. It's it's really surprising. Like I've never seen any team do that eating thing to mock Zeke. They got to do it. Eagles, it's a, it's a, I'm going to add it to the keys to victory this week. Like <laughs> that should be on the board. If it's not, uh, you can't win. Uh, yes. Mike McCarthy, Jimmy, to wrap up this segment. Uh, there's talk that he could be one and done in Dallas. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it's I think it's more likely than not. And I think the key there, you know, is it's not just that they're bad, you know, because teams can be bad. And look, you know, the Cowboys, and honestly, if the Cowboys are listening to this, don't fire Mike McCarthy. It was a COVID shortened off season. He doesn't have Dak. You have to give him more time. But now that they're not listening, it's, it's yeah, it's pathetic. Uh, what you're seeing of this team, like. For as much as the Eagles might be bad sometimes, and when adversity hits them, though, like they don't go into a total spiral where things go out of control and it looks like all hope is definitely lost. Like they've they've shown resilience under Doug Peterson, and they are certainly not showing that to this point. So that's just another point I look to in this game, and I'm like, are the Cowboys really going to show up in Philly and feel like super motivated for this one? Like, I'm just, I'm not buying that. Mike Nolan was a horrible hire, too. Like, I don't know who made that hire, if it was the Joneses or if uh, McCarthy got to pick his staff, but Mike Nolan is their defensive coordinator. And you just look at, like, his history and, like, where his team's finished in terms of, um, you know, yards allowed, points allowed uh, relative to the rest of the league in his last, you know, I don't know, four, five, six years, either as a head coach or a defensive coordinator. And they're horrid, like, horrible. And he hasn't been a defensive coordinator for, I think, like almost a decade or something like that. So um, he's just kind of been like a positional coach. He's been in the league for like 40-something years. Ideas might be a little bit stale or whatever. But the two of them together have really just been an abomination. I'd be really surprised if they didn't if they didn't just dump those two guys. I, they'll, they'll probably give them the whole season. But I, would, I think they're gone at the end of the year. And then the suit thing is always a big red flag to me, too. 
with Nolan. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, who do you think you are, dude? Is he still doing that? No, no, no. Oh, when, when just, it was the Headcoach, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you okay. still like wear Like, come yes. on, who do you think you are? Anyway, get a <laughs> right. grip. Jimmy, BGN Radio brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Uh, as the good people know, you can go to rightsellin.com and you can use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off your orders. You know, this is the meat snack that fuels your Philadelphia Eagles, your first place in the NFC East, the mighty NFC East Philadelphia Eagles. If you want to be first in the NFC East in your life, you can go to rightsofselling.com and get yourself some Felon craft jerky. There's a ton of flavors. Jimmy, we found out, might be lying about what his favorite is. Uh, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, you know, But there's so many. There's OG Hickory. There's Baby Blues Barbecue. There's Marilyn Monroe. You can try them all. Honestly, yeah, give them all a try. They're all good. You can't go wrong. And again, write to selling.com. Discount code BTN15. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here for our final segment on BGN Radio episode 153. Jimmy, we're going to get into our picks here against the spread. I am now tied with you. We're both 11 and 12 on the year. You went 0 2 last week because the Eagles didn't cover and you didn't take. You, you oh, actually yeah. took. I took the Cowboys. Dallas. Yeah. 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 To win. And I took, and widely, I took Washington to win. And I want to bring up Washington here because they look like the Eagles' biggest threat. In the NFC East, they are obviously in second place right now. And and by the way, that's such a funny thing to say because just last week they were dead last in the worst division in the NFL. Yes. But I think the football team has a formula where they can beat bad teams because it's what they did against Dallas. It's that they can run the ball. You know, Antonio Gibson has some potential. They have a big play threat in Terry McLaurin who, you know, isn't going to carry the team every week, but you can hit some big shots down the field with him. We know that. Kyle Allen is obviously not a good quarterback, but he can manage a game for you. Like, he can get you through a game where he's not going to totally mess it up like he did, again, especially against a bad team against Dallas. And then that defense is legitimately good. Like, Washington has a good defense. They, they're they like fourth in yards per play, I believe, like 12th in uh, points per game allowed uh, in DVOA. Heading into last week, they were nine. What's that updated to? I'm looking at it here. They are fifth now. They're fifth overall in defensive DVOA. Like, that's a good defense. So I think they have their formula to beat not good teams, but bad teams. And they play some bad teams coming up here. McLaurin uh, was going up against uh, Trayvon Diggs in that Dallas game. And uh, there's one point in that game. Did you watch that whole game, by the way? Or did you just watch uh, Red Zone Channel? I watched most of that game. Okay. So I don't know if you if you saw this, but Trayvon Diggs at one point was like really getting in McLaurin's face and like you know, I don't know if he was trying to intimidate him or, or whatever it was, just likes talking smack, whatever it was. And then like a play later, they they just went over the top to McLaurin and he just roasted Diggs. So yeah. like, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty fun, funny moment in that game. So Washington, you, you buy them, right? That's the biggest. Uh, they're the biggest well, threat. they still stink, but I I agree with what you're saying about them. Like you know they they can they they beat a bad team week one. <laughs> right so like yep. they can uh they can certainly beat bad teams and in the nfc there is a plethora of those they can pick up some oh by the way next four weeks this is what i was trying to lead you to uh, okay, you, yeah. you weren't bringing it up giants at home one and six mm-hmm. minus 52 after a buy <laughs> they would buy this week yeah, yeah right so minus 52 point yeah minus 52 uh, point differential for the giants uh the following week they they're at the lions they're three and three coming around a little bit minus nine point differential Bengals at one five and one minus thirty one point differential, and then they get the Cowboys again, who they just smoked mm-hmm. uh, two and five minus sixty seven point differential. So that's a point differential combined for four teams. 
minus 159. So they can pick up some wins there. And I mean, obviously the Eagles have a chance to pick up two wins here against the uh, Cowboys then after the bye the Giants. Um, but yeah, the, the, the football team has a chance to sort of uh, put some pressure uh, on the Eagles to win these next two games. Yeah, I think it could come down to week 17 where the Eagles play a football team again. That'd where that be game fun. Is, is for the division. Like I think that's basically what this could be shaping up to be. Um, want to get into our picks, Jimmy. Uh, Buccaneers. Ten and a half point favorites at the New York Giants. Do we need to spend time on this one? You know, I'll take the points on that. Wow. I'll take the Giants and the points on that. It's a lot of points. That Giants offense, though, Jimmy, is terrible. And (laughs) Todd Bowles and that Buccaneers defense is really good. And the Bucs are kind of hitting their stride here. Tom Brady hasn't thrown a pick since week four. I will take the Bucs to cover. Okay. The Giants are awful. Saints are four-point favorites at the Bears. Now, the Bears don't play in the NFC East. Why did I include them? Well, Jimmy, of course, as everyone knows, if the season ended today, the Eagles would be playing the Bears in the divisional round. But I don't think that's going to hold up because I'm not so sure the Bears are, are getting that five seed. Uh, no. You look at their schedule the rest of the way, and <laughs> no. you look at how dear friend Nick Foles is playing, and I don't. And, and now that they just lost to the Rams, they lost the tiebreaker, a very valuable tiebreaker in, in those wildcard standings potentially. So do you think, like me, that the Bears really aren't going to be able to make it like that? I uh, picked them to win this past week, and I was you know, very mad at myself for beginning to believe in them even a shred. So, like, all season long, I've been kind of, like, looking at them as a team that was going to rack up a few wins early. Like, they had a super easy schedule early in the year. Their first three games, it's pretty clear they had a good chance of, of starting out 3-0, I think, with them anyway. And then... Um, they were going to hit the harder part of their schedule and they were going to start to fall apart. Um, they actually won. Who did they beat that was actually pretty decent? Recall? The Bucks. Oh, the Bucks, right. And then they. So the first three games were at Lions, Giants, at Falcons. All right. So they won all three of those games. Lost to the Colts, Buccaneers, Panthers. They won both of those games. And then at the Rams this past week, they got pretty much dominated, I think. So Allen Robinson in the concussion protocol. If he's out, they're in big trouble because he's their best player mm-hmm. on offense, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I am going to take, reluctantly, the Saints minus four, even though I don't believe much in them either. Yeah, I've been impressed by them. I think they're not elite anymore, very clearly. But yes. They're still a good team, yes. and I think they're better than They'll the They'll be Bears. in the playoffs. And yeah, so I'll take the, the minus four there. Now, Jimmy, it all comes down to this. Cowboys are at the Eagles, at the link in Philly, Sunday Night Football, marquee matchup that the nation is just dying to see. The Eagles are seven and a half point favorites. I got the against Eagles. Against the Dallas football Cowboys. <laughs> Dallas football Cowboys. I got the Eagles 29 to 13 in this one. Comfortable win. And uh, I don't think it's ever really um, in question. I think the Eagles score first. I think they score often and well, often enough. And then they kind of just go into um, uh, sort of four minute offense mode in the second half and they, they put it away. I think that's. I think just think this Cowboys team is straight second worst team in the NFL, worst team in the NFC. I'm going to take Eagles thirty eight, Cowboys zero. It's a shutout, Jimmy. <laughs> okay. All right. I think they're going to. Do- I really think they're going to dominate this team. You can play this back, Cowboys fans, if you are <laughs> listening to this and make me look foolish. Again, it's this isn't so much about me just like totally believing in the Eagles now. You're right. There's, to be clear, the Eagles are bad. <laughs> they're bad. I am encouraged by them somewhat, you know, the way they've played over the past few weeks. I'm not giving them no credit, 
but it's not just about them being dominant. It's also about, I just, I truly believe the Cowboys here are terrible. I mean, even Cowboys fans are resigned to their team being awful. Again, it takes a lot for that. that. I know, yes, exactly. I was doing that exchange again with Dave Halperin, and he predicted a uh, he, predicted, he predicted a blowout loss as well. He is thirty four okay. to thirteen, and that's a Cowboys fan. And he usually when I do these predictions with him, even when they're bad or haven't been great in the past, he's usually pretty optimistic about them. So for them to be at that point tells me that we're not drinking the Kool Aid here with the Eagles, like, and and we're not making too much of the Cowboys being bad. Like, no, they are terrible. it's an easy cover to me for the Eagles in this game and they will advance. I'm surprised that you're right. I'm surprised the line isn't higher, but it opened at six and a half and it moved up a little bit. I'm surprised. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised it hasn't, it wasn't immediately jumped on and it didn't uh, go up like to like nine or something like that. But I I, I like, I I still like it at 7.5. I think it might, if they officially uh, confirm Danucci as the starter, because some lines I think haven't been posted yet. They're kind of waiting. But Dalton's Uh, been horrible too. I agree. I think it's a, a win. Eagles advance to three, four, and one heading into the bye. Then you get an opportunity, you know, of course, to reach 500 by beating the Giants. Get to four, four, and one. And then you have a tough stretch the rest of the way. We'll see how it goes. But for right now, you know, a nice spot to be. You know, you, beat, you blow out the Cowboys on national television. You enter the bye. We'll see how the trade deadline goes. Maybe the Eagles do something encouraging. We'll see. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, for as bad of a season as it is, and there's still very much long term concerns with the team, it could be a nice little reprieve here to get a big win over the Cowboys and then head into the bye riding that high. I got a trivia question for you. Okay, let's hear it. So the Cow, if like, if they, if Dalton is a no go, uh, they, they actually do have a fourth quarterback. Um, who is he? This is a prank? <laughs> no, they have a guy after Danucci. Uh, Garrett, are we, Garrett Gilbert? That's correct. Yeah, well okay. done. He's been on this is his seventh team, the Cowboys. He was in the AAF too at one point. <laughs> oh, was he? Okay. <laughs> Think so. Or XFL, one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Jimmy. Any any final thoughts before I gotta roll here? Uh no. Uh, I know you got your heart out, so uh just don't vote for the horrible person. Thank you. Vote, vote, vote. Check out the Espionation NFL show. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe that feed as well. I'm on there on Tuesdays, the off day debrief with Rob Stats Carrera. We call it the Oddcast. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. Um, obviously, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Go check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. I'll do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week. Maybe, for real. Yeah, maybe uh, with some trade deadline news to talk about. Or that. Maybe emergency pod. But yeah. in any case, we'll be talking to you. All right. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.